welcome to this week's episode of How We Get By. I sat down with my friend Kelly. Uh, We talked about a lot of different things. We talked about grief, getting out of our comfort zone, roller derby, open mics, music. I just a lot of really great things and I enjoyed it. I hope that you do too. And I'll just let you get right into it. So, all right, so I am here today with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hello. Hi, I met Kelly uh, through the art scene in Scranton because she hosts an open mic. It's called Be Daring Open Mic. It's at Adezzo every... The last Wednesday of the month. Last Wednesday of the month. And what, do you want to tell a little bit about that? About four years ago, so this, um, in May of this year, we'll be celebrating four years, a local musician approached me about stepping outside my comfort zone um, to guest host. Um, We didn't tell anybody. We actually performed together. And it was me stepping outside my comfort zone and getting in front of a crowd of people and just talking and performing, which was a really big step. Typically, I kind of turn bright red and run away. And for the first couple open mics, I did did just that, um, turn bright red. Um, I just wanted a platform in the community for people, uh, regardless of their age or what creative outlet they have, to have a platform to just kind of speak and talk and hang out and meet other people that, you know, are just trying to get through this thing we call life. Right, absolutely. Well, that makes sense. So I... Uh... I always use that phrase, it makes sense, I'm trying to change it, but um, I wanted to ask, well, I want to ask you more about the open mic, but I guess before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, so I'm 27, and I had to think about it, count it on my <laughs> fingers. Um, I'm 27, I am a nurse by trade, um, but I love creative things. Um, My dad was a carpenter, so he used to, you know, use his hands for a lot of things. So I paint. I try to dabble in a lot of things. He used to always say he was a jack of all trades, master of none, and I really use that every day of my life. I paint. I do photography. I run an open mic. I play roller derby, um, (laughs) which is a really awesome outlet for me. Um, I really, um, I'm as a nurse, like I. I care for others before myself, and I do that in my daily life. So I really, with my open mic, I try to be just helpful and creative to everybody else, give them an outlet. And this year and the last couple years, I've been really trying to focus on self-care and myself, which as nursing, it's really hard if you don't think about it. So in the open mic, did you, uh, what things have you found as far as, um, like, have you had any, like, special moments or just things that you got out of it that you went in and you were like, I wasn't expecting this beauty from it or this experience and I got it. I've seen people perform for the first time. I've seen people open up to strangers about, I had one performer whose fiance died and he opened up to an entire crowd of strangers to, you know, perform and talk about his fiance and different things like that. talk about abuse, um, self-harm, they're just opening up to the community. I want to give a welcoming, like, space and a supportive space, and that's, you know, I think I've created it 
it's, it's taken me a long time, but I really think that over the years that I've, I've done that. And yeah, I, I think moment. you have too. Every time I've been there, I felt like it's been extremely supportive. Yeah, nobody, nobody's like yelling or talking in the background. Nobody's like, you know, having a phone con- conversation. Yeah. Um, everybody's really, you can, as soon as the performer starts, you can hear like everybody stops talking right. and they listen and respect. People will meet up afterwards and talk. They'll share other events. That's really awesome. I'm, I mean, I've met friends. I mean, I've met you through that. So, yeah, I think it's really cool. And we're building a little community. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. And it's it started with five or six people just kind of hanging out, and we've grown. We I keep seeing more and more people. Yeah. Last month, I showed up. I, was show, I showed up late. I completely forgot. For the first time ever, I completely forgot all about it. Um, Joe Craig messaged me and was like, hey, are you coming tonight? And I was wow. like, oh my god, what? <laughs> um, and I showed up and there was like 45 people like just hanging out waiting oh, for wow. me. So I was like, oh my god. Well, that'll make you feel like you're like, okay, I do matter. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, hey, this whole room full of people were just yeah. like waiting on me. Yeah. So that was like eye-opening and just crazy to see. That's amazing. But that's really cool. And then you said, so you talked a little bit about self-care. So what... What does that look like for you? So self-care is really one of the hardest things for me. Um, With nursing, it is not only like physically draining, it's mentally, it's emotionally. I deal with patients from 18 to 102, has been my oldest patient. Um, I've, it's, it's really hard because I'm trying to, you know, help these people sometimes on the worst day of their lives and I'm really focusing on their care and like I take myself out of the equation. Um, So I've been trying to just get more sleep, drink more water, just, you know, um, listen to music. I don't know if you've seen Lilo and Stitch where she's lying on the floor just listening to music. Just... I've done that before, and it's yeah. so, like, you just let go of the day and reset, mm-hmm. and I, I always come back to that. Absolutely. Uh, just like a little girl, and she just yeah. understands so much. But just really taking more time for myself. I went out, you know, to coffee with friends and just getting out of the house and focusing more on my mental health, because if, I think there's a silly quote, you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. And for a, a long time, like, I felt like I was just... I had given everything that I had, and I had nothing left. Mm-hmm. And you get burnt out in nursing. Like, I felt like I was getting mean and, like, just... Not, like, caring? Not caring, yeah. yeah. So I really had to take a step back and just figure out the underlying cause of that, and it was just they being... Were. I was being burnt out, like, too much. So I took some time off of work. I relaxed. I just kind of painted, threw paint on a wall, and... It really... And that helps. Uh, yes. Yeah. Build my cut back up. <laughs> well, that's cool. I love that. I uh, I think that simple quotes like that kind of help us the most, though. Because if it was some eccentric, long quote, you wouldn't remember it. Yeah. yeah. I think I think the silly... Everybody thinks they're silly and overdone, but, like, they really help. Yeah. I um, it's Just reminders of, throughout it's, your day. It's a reminder, yeah. yeah. I love the cheesy, generic quotes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I am the same one. Um, do you, so what are, do you have any, like, mental health struggles that you had been through that you would want to share? Um, so, 
February is a really, really hard month for me. Um, so we did this at the perfect time. Yeah, so this is this is actually really great, and um, I think it's just a sign. You messaged me and was like, hey, are you still interested? Um, so February 8th was uh, my dad's birthday. It would have been his 56th birthday, um, and it's my 12th year without him. Um, and on the 22nd will be the 12th anniversary of his death. Mm -hmm. And that, I was about 15. Mm -hmm. And that's really, like, I know how a lot of, like, teenagers, like, I hate my parents, this and that. I loved my dad. He was my best friend. Um, and I feel like my life would have been completely different. So it's just, like, you have that fantasy dreamland of, man, if he was still here, like, so much stuff would be different. Um, he's the reason I became a nurse. And I see him in patience, and it just, sometimes it's, like, a lot overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, but I take it day by day, and I think about how proud he would be. I bought a car. Um, <laughs> I was... I, I know it's like a big, like a big, not a big thing at my age, because you know, 16 is when you get your first car, and at um, 27, getting a first car, it's not like a big to do for a lot of people, but it was a big thing for me. I didn't get my license till 22, and it was one of those things like, your dad teaches you how to drive, and yeah. you know. And that would have been around the time. Yeah, so, yeah. it would have been, we talked about it, like learning how to drive and different things like that, oh, yeah. and that all got put on hold. Right, um, right. So, like, some of the big milestones as a teenager, like, didn't really happen for me. Um, as I said, like, my dad was my, like, rock, my best friend. And my mom, she was, like, the supporter. She worked. Mm -hmm. um, my dad was a stay-at-home dad, and my mom worked. So mm -hmm. we didn't have, like, a mother-daughter relationship. Yeah. There was no braiding hair, painting nails. Um, my mom's more of, like, a tomboy which uh, nothing wrong with that because I was definitely a tomboy growing up but my relationship with my mother really wasn't right. too crazy and it's yeah. not that great now yeah. but um, it's just it's really hard and my every all of my family thought like I was callous because I didn't really cry mm -hmm. when he died it was more of like I cleaned the house and I kind of got rid of, he was, he was on and off for sick for a while. So it was like expected, unexpected, if that makes sense. It does. Um, but I, I got rid of all like the medical stuff, like threw away medications and I like kind of put the house back to the way it was before all the medical equipment and stuff. Um, and my family was just like, you don't care and you're just moving on with your life and it was just something that, like, it's happened. This is now my new life, my new reality. And it was hard, it was hard for me for people to say, like, you don't, you don't care. Yeah. And it, it's taken me a long time to grieve. It's not something I think you can do overnight. And I still have, like, days where I, like, just cry out of nowhere. Yeah. I'm like, it's been 12 years, but it's still just as raw and still hurts just as much as it was like if it happened yesterday um and now I'm in the process of buying a house and we're talking about fixing things up and different things like that and I just I wish he was here because he was a carpenter by trade and he would know like everything to do in like load-bearing walls and he yeah. could be building me furniture and it's yeah. just one of those things like happy 
moments, regardless of how much time has passed, is still so like yeah yeah there's a negative yeah wow there's a lot to unpack <laughs> uh, um well i wanted so so you said that his birthday is in february and he died in february two so weeks yeah is it two every weeks. year that you kind of february is just not february is really hard and the first couple years i was just like grouchy and mean and like for the whole month I just kept to myself but in the last couple I've been trying to really focus on doing things and staying positive and sharing his stories and things that he liked to do um with other people mm -hmm. so like watching movies he liked like he uh, or tv shows like he loves star trek um just sharing it with other people instead of Focusing on the negative, focusing on the positive. Things he liked, talk about, um, everything like that. Um, I mentioned to my partner's brother, he used to play Axis and Allies, which is a game. Okay. And they would set it up in the dining room table, and they would, my brother and my dad would play it for days. Yeah. And I got it for Christmas this year, so I'm hoping, so nice. I'm hoping to try to get, like, a couple people and playing it and learning it. And that's awesome. But well, that's good. I, have you ever watched Coco? Yes. Okay, because I love that movie. And I think one of the biggest takeaways from Cried Coco, like a little baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so cute. They, um, yeah, I love uh, the idea because I think a lot of times when it comes to grief, um, sometimes it's easy to kind of forget like the memories in a way or push them aside or not talk about them because they're painful. But that movie taught me the opposite, which is, like, to keep their memory alive by sharing their stories. Well, another cheesy quote is, a person dies twice when they actually die, and then the last person, like, says their name or talks about them. Right. Um, so I really want to just kind of keep his memory alive yeah. and just tell as many people about him, how That's cool good. he was. Well, he sounds amazing. Yeah. Um... Do you think that you have advice for somebody who has lost somebody and how to cope with it? Um, n there's no one set thing, but I just, regardless of who has passed, they don't want you to stop living your life. They want you to continue on and grow and um, not do things for them, but do things for yourself. So you just got to keep moving forward and know they're always with you. Mm -hmm. And every accomplishment that you have, they're rooting for you. Um, they're always there. Um, it's just one of those things, if you just stay in that negative bubble, you're just going to stay in that negative bubble. And they wouldn't want you to. Mm -hmm. It's hard to do things without them and you're sad that they're not here with you, but you really got to kind of put them on your shoulder and just keep pushing through. Yeah. Every little accomplishment that I've had, I know he's with me. What, whatever religious beliefs you have, whatever, whatever beliefs you have, it, heaven, hell, this, that, it doesn't really matter. I think they're just, they're always with you. They're always with you. Yeah, I have that same belief too. I've lost people and it, you can't, they come to you. They have signs. And you said, so you said you went into nursing because of your dad. So what, what was that like? Like, what was that decision? Um, so growing up, um, we had always planned, the two of us, to move to Philly. Um, I was supposed to go to an all-girls Catholic school, um, and I refused to go, you know, I was a 
spoiled little brat, you know, 14 year old, didn't want to leave her friends. I was going to go to Drexel for pastry school, which I ended up, I did get accepted to Drexel for pastry school. My mother said, no, no, that's not a career, you know, stick with nursing. Um, as a as a kid, um, I took care of my dad. Like we would go through his medicine. I did you know wound care. I went to every doctor's appointment. He was on dialysis for a little bit, so like I would learn about these things. And every like his nurses and doctors told me I had like the kindness and compassion. And you can't teach that. It's not something you can learn from a textbook. You can get A's on all your tests. You can be flawless with all the skills, but if you don't deep down have the compassion to take care of somebody, nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. And that is what prompted me to go to nursing school. I'm not going to say um, I partied through college, but it was a lot of binge watching The Biggest Loser, eating garbage <laughs> snacks, and not studying. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was no studying involved. Yeah. Um, like, so nursing just came naturally to me. Okay. Um, and all the clinicals, the skills, like, just... That's cool. ...came natural. Yeah. But, uh, like, I have patients now that test your patients, and we've been dealing with a lot of hospice patients and different things like that, and you're interacting with the family during their a terrible time. And you, deep down, like, you can be... I've had nursing students that have absolutely no compassion. And it's just like, maybe this isn't the field for you. Right, right. Just. There needs to be some level there. Yeah. Has yeah. To, it, yeah. Deep that, down, um, there has to be some sort of compassion and just caring nature. That makes sense. That makes That's cool that you were able to find that. I see that in you. <laughs> and it was cool that you were able to help your dad. And also, it's cool that you got your license. And you got your first car. And, yeah, so you said in the beginning, before we were recording, that you came a far way. So, yeah, it sounds like you came a far way. So, congratulations. It's pretty awesome. 2020 has been a really awesome... So, when did you get your license, exactly? I was... You got it 22. I was at tw I was 22, yeah. and my partner's brother was joining the Air Force, and he needed his license. And he's... I want to say two or three years younger than me, and I was like, there's no way he's getting his license before me. So we got him about the same time, but 22. Um, I dormed I dormed at Marywood, and I took the bus everywhere. Yeah. And one, uh, my partner and I had together probably a year, and he was just like, oh, riding the bus, it's not bad, this and that. And I was like, okay, well spend the day with me, come to class, like, ride the bus with me, yeah. this and that. So he followed me on a typical, like, normal day of, like, waiting for the bus and, like, bus routes and things like that. And I don't know if, like, somebody was looking down on me that day, but it was the worst bus ride <laughs> imaginable. The bus was late. There was a drunk, uh, drunk person on the bus. There was a lady who changed her baby on the bus. Oh, jeez. Um, oh, we got my. stuck in traffic, like, any, like, terrible thing that you don't want to happen on a bus happened, and my I partner was it. like, you are never riding the bus again, <laughs> I will drive you, never, wow. ever, so after that, he started driving me, like, to and from yeah. class, um, it was, like, a new relationship, so he wanted to, he right. just, he needed an excuse to spend more time <laughs> with me, but he was just like, no, 
you're never, never doing this again. And then you never did from then on? Uh, no, yeah, he drove oh, yeah. me. Do you miss it? Did you like it? Um, I liked it. Um, you get to know and meet a lot of interesting people. I bet. And that's, like, how nursing is. Now yeah, I meet strange and unusual. True. Yeah. Um, and then we moved uh, to the hill section, so I didn't have to take the bus anymore. Oh, so I was okay. walking to right. and from work. Yeah. And that was great. So I really, I never really needed a car. Mm-hmm. And now that I have one, like, I don't know what to do with do myself. It, yeah, I bet. So, like, when did you get the car? Um, November okay. of 19. So wow, I've only yeah. had it for a couple months. But yeah. the freedom of having a car, like, on my day off, I'm like, Oh, I could, I could do this, or I could do that, yeah. and I'm just like, this is so strange. Things like, people take for granted. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's crazy to think, because usually I would just, if Dave was at work, I would just kind of wait around and do things around the house, wait for him to get yeah. out of work, and now I don't have to do that, so it's like yeah. a whole, like, changing my whole right life, That's and everybody cool. who's gotten it, like, their parents have handed them a car at I 16, know. and, like, my car is just, like... Yeah, you I worked. keep it keep it clean and yes. like I I don't take it for granted. Which I know. Is crazy. You worked hard for it and I spent know. a lot of time. No, oh, that's cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Car, house, that's pretty cool. So alright, so we'll get into these questions. Um so I'll ask you the first one and then you can we can go back and forth. Um you mentioned that you play roller derby and I know that I see you post a lot about it. Um, so I wanted to ask you, is there a relationship between roller derby and your mental health? So I originally tried out for um, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Roller Radicals, or Roller Derby League, um, June of 2015 with my best friend. Um, we went to tryouts, and it was really nerve-wracking because you're in a room with a whole bunch of people you don't know, and they're just watching you. And I can't, couldn't remember the last time I had roller skated I was usually I was well as a kid I was like I used rollerblades and it's a completely different situation so it was really trying to because when you're in your 20s like trying to make new friends is really hard Mm -hmm. unless you work with them or you've been friends with people for a really long time right it's just hard um unfortunately at the time I couldn't commit to the time with my work schedule Um, But there was um, a person on the team that was like, hey, you know, come on Wednesdays, here's some gear. So I was practicing, um, like, without the team for a little while. And then July of 16, I tried out again, and I was so nervous. I was like, oh, I'm trying out for the second time. And I made the team, I made a commitment, and it really, I met my derby wife, um, and I had... absolutely love her. We, Kodak Killer is her name, because she always gets me, because I say it wrong. <laughs> um, but I made uh, an adult friendship. Yeah. Which, yeah. and she's, there's an age difference there. Like, in the roller derby team, there's like 18 to, I think our oldest skater's in her 50s. Wow, so like that's amazing. You're hanging out with, and it doesn't matter. Like, that's it doesn't good. matter what your age is. Yeah. But I'm making friendships. I'm working on not only strength, but I am working on, like, anxiety and depression. Like, I could have a really bad day at work, but it gets me out of my head. Um, I go to practice, I sweat, I exercise, I get to hit people. That's what I'm scared of. I, this whole time, I'm like, I gotta ask you, like, I'm terrified about the violence. Okay, so it's not whip it. 
Okay. We're not throwing elbows and punching each other in the <laughs> yes. face. Um, I'm currently injured, so I'm working with the duckies, which is our fresh meats, new skaters, and we teach them from mm-hmm. the ground up how to stand in skates, how absolutely everything. And being a nurse, I'm all about safety. Mm-hmm. So before you get even to the level of hitting and everything like that, you're we make sure everybody's safe. But it's just, it really helps... Um, Not to say that it, you know, I've managed with my anxiety. If you ask anybody on the team, I twirl my hair. Um, Okay. And my parents always told me, especially my dad, like, I've made my hair curly from twirling (laughs) it. So that's like, I always have to be doing something with my my hands, twirling, different things like that. Um, And I don't. Like, when I'm playing derby, like, I instantly, I'm focusing more on the game and just the skill and everything like that and it helps just calm my mind okay that's cool it's cool you found that so did you so how do you is there can you easily explain like shortly how roller derby works so there are four blockers from each team and then there is one jammer so they wear um, a helmet cover and the jammers have a star in their helmet and they're trying to the jammer is trying to get through those blockers. They skate around once, and then the second time they skate around the track, every time they pass a blocker's hips, they score one point. So all of the blockers are trying to stop that jammer from getting through. If it was black and white, white is trying to keep the black jammer, and then the Does black it hurt? team. We're, we wear pads, <laughs> we learn how to fall, we learn how to hit. Um, you can fall wrong, you can, you know, broken bones, bruises, different things like that happen, but it's all part of the game. Oh, boy. You're That's gonna, wild. You're going to have to come out to a game. I need to. <laughs> Tell me when it is. Is it now? Well, you said you're, you're injured now. I'm so. injured, um, but the my league will have a game on March 7th, and mm-hmm. we have our own little um, hangout. It's called the Roller Derby Factory. It's on Bernie Avenue in Music, and cool. it's going to be, the first game is March 7th. It's going to be an A and B, so all stars and our B team blended together, um, and that's it's going to be really fun. Cool. Awesome. Well, hopefully I can check that out. I think that's the day of the TED Talk, but if not that one, it the is. next one. Yeah. <laughs> but, I was so bummed about the TED Talk. I know, but that's okay. Uh, it'll be online, and I really do want to check one of those out because they seem cool. But, um, that's, that's a, this seems like a good outlet, especially, um, you know, they, it gives you an outlet for aggression, you know? Oh, most certainly. If you're having a bad day, you can just, you skate around and you get competitive. That's cool. So do you want to read me one of your questions? All right. Um, has living with your mental health um, conditions shaped you who you are today? Like, how have they shaped you into the person that you are today? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I think that they have abs- my struggles have absolutely shaped me into the person I am today. I think the biggest way is knowing, um, like, knowing what it feels like to be in a depression or to have anxiety. I think that a lot of the stigma 
and misconceptions come because some people really don't feel these things which to me is amazing because I'm like <laughs> how <laughs> but um I think that you know I think being misunderstood is uh really difficult for people because it is such an invisible thing um I think without it I would not have the tools that I have um I wouldn't have learned so much about like my inner self or how to manage my emotions, um, emotional intelligence, how to get myself out of a depression, how to deal with depression, anxiety. But I think the most important thing is just that I've been able to help others. Um, and if I didn't know all of these things through my own personal experience, I wouldn't be able to share them with others. And so I think that um, is the way that my struggles, I think, have shaped me the most. Yeah. Especially Be Kind Scranton. I know. <laughs> I know. So, uh, yeah. So I know Kelly from Be Kind Scranton, which is an event that I used to plan that was like random acts of kindness in Scranton, which I am trying to resurrect now because I was in a bad place for a while and I felt like I couldn't do it. But, um yeah, your open mic has done... What What are some things that you've done with Be Kind we, um, right? wrote kind words on snowflakes last December. We made Valentine's cards, which mm-hmm. I'm hoping to do again I know, I and pass them out. Yeah. Um, our mic is at the end of February, but still, so we could good. do. Yeah. So that's what... Just getting the group of people together and just writing kind yeah, words. Yeah, used to do, yeah. Just seeing things, like... It's very nice. Yeah. Cheesy quotes. Yeah. That's <laughs> all sure. about, it yeah. always comes down to cheesy quotes. I cheesy know. quotes can make somebody's day. They really can. And the amount of people that I heard that people were like, oh, I've, I've gone by one of your signs and it's like this most simple thing, but I love it and it made my day. And yeah, so. It's just simple acts of kindness that mm-hmm. can make people's day. And you yeah. don't realize it until like you see it post it now mm-hmm. like it's just silly things that. silly yeah, things yeah you need it you that. needed to hear it yeah cuz sometimes you can the people closest to you can tell you things and you're like no 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 and yeah. then a stranger tells you it and then you just like yeah for whatever reason like it yeah. makes an impact so yeah so i it's crazy because be kind scranton is kind of like um that was a in itself a coping mechanism for me and it was anytime anything bad would happen in my life in particular like my heart was broken or something i like that's what i would do i would think about like the things that i wished people would say to me in those moments and then i just go write them like all over the city and then so it was, like, very therapeutic, but it was also, like, a little bit embarrassing because, like, it was just like, wow, here's my heartbreak. But, um, yeah, so I think that being able to, and also I think um, being able to shape me in the way of I don't really, I mean, I care what other people think. Like, I think everyone does to an extent, but I'm able to be outspoken and be myself and talk about these things because I've dealt with them my entire life, so... I was the kid that was, like, crying on the playground because I had anxiety as a child. And, like, I was the kid in high school who, like, had issues because I had panic attacks, you know? So, like, when you are like that, it's kind of like you people look at you and they're like, why is she behaving that way? Well, like, after a certain amount of years, it's like, well, these are my behaviors <laughs> and, like, I'm okay with them. So, just it's, like, made it. my skin thicker, I guess. Yeah. Do you feel like yours have, uh made you who you are. Growing up, I never stood up for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I had, as a, I was probably nine or ten, somebody 
my friends ripped off my glasses and had another person like stomp on them and break you them. Are. That's terrible. And my so they're my so-called friends. Like I've yeah. been. They played a game of like ping pong and I was the ball <gasps> and it's just like. Jeez. Growing up, like I've never really spoken up for myself, mm-hmm. and going through high school, like I had two really good best friends. And if we run into people, like, three of us are hanging out, we run into people from high school, they go, oh, hey, uh, these two people, and then me, they're like, oh, hey, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know, we, yeah. I wasn't the one to speak up or make a lot of friends, like, I had my close-knit group, and, I mean, roller derby is helping me, I'm making friends from all over the country and different things like that. Um, I'm trying to be more outspoken and stand up for myself and just discuss different things. But I'm the... I say things, and especially, like, I'm teaching new decks. Like, I'll say things, and I know we're we're living in the world of trying to be more PC and different things like that and just be aware of everyone else's feelings. Mm-hmm. And to a point, like, it becomes so anxiety-inducing because you're trying to make sure that you're not offending anyone. Right. And the more you're trying not to offend everyone, the more you're overthinking every single thing you say. And when you're afraid of stepping on people's toes, it shuts me down. Like, so, because I'm so afraid of offending someone, I don't say anything or saying it the wrong way. Like, I'm not very good with words. Um, If anybody... My friends used to tell me it was my own language in in high school because I would text, I would miss words or things would be spelled wrong. Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, ah, it's just Kelly. Like, they would figure (laughs) out just from knowing me. So now, like, I'm meeting new people and they don't understand, like, my brain works faster than my fingers. So I'm just like, and I'm anxious, so I'm typing really fast. Um, So that's a big thing. Um, but if I say something to someone and I think, oh, did I take it wrong? Like, I'll think about it for, like, weeks or, like, months yeah. and, like, afterwards. I'm just, like, over, I overthink everything. And that keeps me from doing a lot of things. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I started the open mic, um, to try to, like, get out of my own space like get out of my head and just you know get in front of a crowd of people I may never see again (laughs) or I'll see next week just to get um say things I did try to host I can't I don't think I don't think on my feet like Elliot Elliot hosts and he comes up with these crazy like like he'll say somebody's name and he'll like spin something and he says something funny and I'm just like how do you do it like Mm -hmm. right there and Mm -hmm. I'm just like nope here's the next person (laughs) yeah but I think it's pretty awesome what I one of the things I really like about you is that you like realize these things like you're like okay I know that I don't feel comfortable doing this like I know this is out of my comfort zone and then you do it anyway that's amazing that's it was a huge thing. Um, if you've been coming to be daring open mic from the very beginning, um, the first couple times, like, I would be, like, shaking like a leaf. I would turn, like, bright red. Like, my words would be... I remember. Yeah, I remember. The and beginning. it was so hard. Like, all I wanted to do was run. And the first couple times, it was just like, hey, I'm Kelly, this is V-Daring, talking really fast, and then I would run. I literally (laughs) would run away from the microphone. And now I just, we don't have a microphone anymore, which I think is a little easier, but I just stand up there and I just 
word vomit, like, just my day. I talk about roller derby, I talk about, like, friends I've met in the audience, like, looking forward to it, and it's just, like, mind-blowing to me of how far I've come in four years, and it, I still, I'm still not, like, 100% comfortable, but it's, like, one day at a time, one month at a time, um, I keep telling people that I'm going to perform, but I haven't, um, everything that I have now is just, like, I'm not in that place anymore, Mm -hmm. and I was just not, I haven't written anything, because I haven't been, like, you have to be in that. You have to be in a certain, like, kind of place to write, and different things like that, and I haven't had anything, like, not to say that I haven't had anything bad happen to me, but, like, nothing, like, a breakup, or, like... Yeah, there's usually some kind of emotional upheaval. Yeah, to, like, (laughs) kind of write things. Like, the last... The last, um, really, like, like scratching on a paper, writing furiously, yeah. throwing things, um, my ex had, um, cheated on me, and, like, that's a lot of emotion, like, hate, and, like, anger, and this and that, and, like, why me, and I'm terrible, and, like, so, like, yeah. I- Unfortunately, when you're in kind of a good place, yeah, it's harder really, to write. Yeah, no, you don't really have that, like, fire, I think. <laughs> yeah, so. you really need to get, like, a fire. So I know. I've been more, instead of writing and, like, things like that, I've been doing more painting and just... I've had a lot of First Friday shows at Eden in Scranton. Christian is wonderful, so whatever I come up with, regardless of what it looks like and what I'm doing, he's just like, yeah, here's That's the walls, awesome. put it up, and That's I'm just cool. like, this is great. So, like, I just think it's amazing that you're, like, even after four years, I still feel uncomfortable, but I'm still doing it anyway, <laughs> and I'm getting better. It's so, so uncomfortable. But you do it, like, once a month. And, like, what, so do you, like, recommend, do, like, other people do that? Like, that's how, like, just, I don't know, do you ever think about that? Like, I think people just need to just do it. Yeah. Um, if... I've had people that will, like, just do 30 seconds. They'll, they'll read the shortest poem I've ever heard. They get up there, and then that's it. Yeah. I've had people perform and then immediately leave. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and then I've had them come back, and then they stay for a little bit longer. I think you just need to baby steps. Mm-hmm. Just, if you don't want to perform, just come, hang out, meet a couple people, um, and then maybe perform, do one thing, um, if you don't want to do original things, read a poem that you love, Mm -hmm. share a poem that you love, what got you into poetry, um, one time I went, I remember, and I don't know how, I think it was for this event, maybe it was for a different one, but I read, like, journal entries, Maybe yeah, it was for, I, I don't know. It was at a Dezo. It might have been for a different thing. But I will say I would do that at your open mic. And I felt like um, it's just stuff like that. I've seen all different kinds of things. Yeah, there's no... There's that no guy s- with the swords. Yeah, there's He's no lost. set thing. Yeah. There's absolutely no, like, this is poetry. Mm-hmm. Or this is a performance. It's anything... Um, Kyle Rebar, if you've ever seen him perform... He literally uses, like, a coffee grinder uh, yes. in his set. Oh, yeah. And he puts a duck mask <laughs> he's on. Funny, like, yeah. he, he he's just... He's so funny, yeah. He just does whatever you want, and you're mm-hmm. not expecting it. And it's just, like, that's a performance. Right. You can 
you could roll around on the ground shouting things. Yeah. And like, you could do whatever you it's want. So that cool. is what be daring is. Be daring is getting out of your comfort zone, whether it's for 30 seconds or the full 10 minutes. Like, whatever you want. Awesome. Um, it's just really awesome. And yeah. And I'm watching people that have been there from the very be beginning or the last couple months. And I, I do photography, so I'm taking pictures of them. Mm -hmm. And I'm just seeing them come into their own. Whether, like I said, they perform for like a minute or two and then they're coming back and they're doing full sets. Um, they're doing more things. They're interacting with the crowd this time around. They're getting like audience members. Yeah. They're telling people about their lives. They're investing in the open mic, which is crazy. It's so cool. Yeah, like, you're giving a person something to do. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. I think it's really cool, especially knowing your own story with it. I mean, that's inspiring. Um, it's I, thinking back of how it started and um, when the person that was originally running it, he had um, some personal issues, so he couldn't do it, continue it going forward, and he said, like, hey... Ajazo has offered us, you know, this time slot and everything. Um, I can't do it, but I really think, like, this is a great opportunity for you. I sat down and thought, like, can I do this? Mm -hmm. Like, I have no experience running anything. I don't know how to work a PA. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that many people. And it just kind of fell into my lap. Yeah. Like, I didn't go looking for it. He found me. Um, I started just attending um, NEPA's open mic at the Woodlands at the time, mm -hmm. and Rich was like, you're, this is so great, like, you don't perform and you show up and you're just supporting, and I've, I've met so many wonderful people, so to tell people, like, you don't have to perform, you can just come out and support, that's how I started, yeah. and I've met so many wonderful people. Um, it's great. It's cool. It's uh, it's a really good opportunity to support local artists. Like, people put a lot of work into like what they do, and it's funny. I don't know. It's touching. There's musicians, comedians, comedians magicians. Crazy. What? Magi uh, magician. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't. Oh, I don't know uh, if I've ever a seen. A Viking. Oh, the Viking. Yeah, the Viking <laughs> is something else. He was actually. Another group of my friends saw him randomly, and they aren't part of the art scene. They're, like, my friends from Montage, and they, like, saw him perform, and they were talking about it, and they were, like, they posted a picture on Facebook, and they're, like, this Viking showed up. I'm, like, oh, my God, I know that guy. <laughs> like, oh, Lord. So, yeah, that's funny. All right, well, well, my other question for you is actually, like, about your open mic and how that has helped. So I guess we can skip that one. But um, I guess my next question for you is what keeps you hanging on? Um, so the other day I had um, a patient, just sassy old lady. I loved her. <laughs> um, she asked me, she looked me dead in the eyes and said, why did you become a nurse? And I was like, wow. Like, <laughs> this is like, wow. Like, and... It being February and everything, it kind of took me back, and yeah. I was telling her about my dad and everything like that, and I was just like, wow, like, this lady must have known, like, I just needed, I needed a reminder of why I'm doing this. Like, it was so out of the blue, and it just, it, she was just like, yeah, I can see it. Like, I can see how caring you are and how much time you talk to your patients and everything that you're doing, and it was just like, 
a crazy, like, how did this lady I've never really met before know I needed it? So it's crazy how outside individuals or strangers can just make your day and have you question, like, everything. Um, but it made me, like, open my eyes and look back. Um, my partner, when we first got together for Christmas, I think I asked for it, got me a book, um, Do One, Day, One Thing a Day That Scares You, or something you've never done before. I can't remember the title of the book. But I was looking back on it, and I had just, and it was 2015, I had just started as a nurse, and I wrote down every little teeny tiny individual thing that I had done in, as a nurse, like give insulin injections or like hang an IV bag, which now I could pretty much do with my eyes closed. Yeah. But looking back at how far I've come as a nurse, it's just like the teeny tiny things terrified me. And now I'm just like, like nurse, I have nursing students and nursing students watch me do things and they're like, how do I do this? Yeah. You're it's so good. terrifying. Like, how are you just, yeah. like, I'll do things with one hand and they're like, what, what, <laughs> what? I can't do this. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I think you just, it becomes part of your routine and it, you just don't realize it until somebody else points it out of just like how far you've come. Yeah. With the open mic, with roller derby, with nursing, um, I think just somebody, an outside perspective, just pointing it out. And I think that's, it's especially with the month that it is, I think I just needed a refresher of, like, why I'm doing this. Yeah. Because if you just kind of check in and check out every day when you're at work, it's just a pay, if it just becomes a paycheck to you, like, what are you really doing? Right. Um, nursing is much more than just a paycheck. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. That is a really cool answer. I love that question. I ask it every time, and it's everybody answers it so differently, <laughs> and I'm surprised. It's really cool. Wow, I'm so glad that you are on here because I have not known you this well, and it's really cool to get to know you. <laughs> this is, um, I don't really talk much about um, mental health or, like, my past or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things you can know a person, but you don't really know everything mm. about them. It's where you meet them on their timeline in life. You can meet them on a good day or a bad day, um, different things like that. Um, something that's really hit me hard and just seems really mind-blowing to me um, I take care of a lot of patients sometimes on the worst day of their lives. They're getting good news. They're getting bad news. Um, I took care of, um, Brian Craig and, no, know you know, that. I had known about him. I go to the bog for trivia and different things like that, but I didn't like know him. I've, n I never saw him at the bog. Um, but I, you know, had met him through, you know, a few admissions in the hospital and different things like that. And I had visited him kind of towards the end. And, like, for a person that I had, I didn't know, mm -hmm. we weren't friends, mm -hmm. he has made this crazy impact really on my life. And it just keeps blowing my mind of how special he was. And I maybe met him a handful of times, yeah. maybe three or four times, and I just, just the last time I had, I saw him and different things like that, I think about it, 
And I just, the impact he's had on our community, it's just, yeah. I can feel the loss. Mm-hmm. And I feel weird, like, because I didn't really know him, like, being sad that he's gone. But that's just, like, how much of an impact, yeah. like, he's had on our community. Well, I want to, so I do want to talk more about this. So, okay, so for those who are listening and don't know who Brian Craig is, Brian Craig owned the bog, right? He, he owned co- it. Co-owned, co-owned the bog. Okay. And he was, I didn't know him. Which is surprising because me, like, people always say this, like, how did you two not know each other? Because they know Beekind's granted and everything. Mm-hmm. I knew him because of the bog, and I've seen him to say hi, but I never had a conversation with him. So I am regretful of that. Um, I wish I did. So I'm really glad to hear from you who has. Um, so what was, like, that impact that he had on you? He was just always, like, so positive and caring and, you know, talk about your day and just like hey what's up um like during like the last um like meeting that I met him he was just like you know singing and just different things like that he was always positive always caring like he just like the energy that he just like instantly made you like feel better I don't like and I haven't met a lot of people like that and Mm -hmm. it's a hard feeling to explain like Mm -hmm. he just the moment you walked into the door like his smile his just overall like just energy yeah I don't know it's hard to explain it's cool I mean I know that you're not the only one you know because it's all over it was all over it was a hard loss for everyone and I didn't know him, and I was sad, so, yeah. Yeah. It's def- it's just, he just seems to have done a lot for the community and just ever, so, knows so many people and was kind to every one of them, it seems. Yeah, just yeah. a wonderful, yeah. wonderful man. Well, shout out to him and everyone listening who knew Ryan Craig. We can take a minute to think about him and his memory because he did a lot for Scranton. Do you have any more questions? I do. Um, what takes up most of your headspace? Like, what is, on a daily, <laughs> yeah, on a daily basis, what is, like... Um, I can, I can, I'm receptive to people's energies, so I can feel, and I think it came from my childhood, because I was always hyper-focused uh, on what my parents were feeling, and I always wanted to know, like, what their mood was before, just so I would be able to act as I needed to in certain ways. Um, and so now I feel like I can feel people's energy and I, it wears on me. Like, it wears on me throughout the day. I feel like I spend a lot of energy, like, talking to people and, like, being in a good mood and just, like, getting, like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like, um, as the day goes on further throughout the day, I get really overwhelmed by like all the stimuli that I go through like if I'm at work like all of the different people that I need to speak to in a day and this sounds terrible like I need to speak to in a day (laughs) I love speaking to people it's not a bad thing it's just like after a while I think I start to like feel it drain on me and then in my mind I'm always like I want to go home like I want to like I need my own space like I need my own space and like you said earlier like getting your work schedule down to like a few days so you could focus like I think if I could do that that would help me so much because it would give me time more time to decompress and like focus on the things I need to but um 
Yeah, I think it's, like, trying, I think it's just interacting with people, like, all day long kind of gives me anxiety, and I don't know how to, like, balance it. Yeah. It's hard. My anxiety always makes me feel like if I'm talking to someone, like, they instantly hate me. Like, I always go, like, I'll go through periods of time, like, I'll be talking to somebody, and I'll just be like, they hate me. They don't want to be listening to anything that I'm saying right now. I'm talking too much. They don't care about the topic or I'm being annoying. Yeah. It's just like I go through and that's a really like that that's probably one of my like most like the hardest thing to get out of. Like that everybody around you hates right, you. Right. It is definitely the worst um kind of anxiety driven kind of feelings I have cuz it's just Everybody is different, and um, you you don't you're not gonna like everybody. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be friends with everybody. Um, I have a tattoo of a teacup that says, "I'm not your cup of tea." I'm always moving my hands. I twirl my hair. I talk too fast. I say things to people that comes out in a blurted moment, and then I think about it for three weeks. I can be loud. I can be annoying. Um, not for everybody. I'm not saying that I, I want to be your best friend, but you have to treat everybody with respect yeah. and you have to treat everybody with kindness. Um, and that's like a, a big to do. Um, I have people that, I don't, I don't believe that I have a hateful bone in my body. Um, I'm a nurse. I treat everybody equally regardless of race, gender, anything like that. If you treat me with respect, you're going to get the same amount of respect back mm-hmm. um but to be you know negative towards me because of you know you don't like me is you know we're all grown-ups here yeah. and that's a big a big thing in my mental headspace of you know everybody hates me <laughs> yeah and I can guarantee no one does because you do have like the kindness that just comes right out of you but I know that feeling and yeah it, it could be hard to relate to others and I think it's hard when we're like in situations uh you know like work can be difficult because you're there every day and it's uh you know you you don't know what the day is going to bring and you have to be there and regardless of whatever mood you're in. So I think I just get, I think it's me with my mental stuff, like knowing like, oh my God, what if I have a panic attack? Like it's just so much energy that I spend like worrying. Yeah, worrying, I guess it's like the anxiety. It's just yeah. overthinking everything. Yeah. Um, we tell ner- new nursing um, workers, like here's a closet to go cry in. Yeah. And different things like that. And nursing is hard. Um... I mean, you see, I don't work with babies. I work with um, 18. Like I said, my oldest patient was 102. But death is a part of nursing. Um, and it's just one of those things that if you, if I really sat down and thought about it, I would just crumple into a ball. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one of those things. Not that I'm, like, detached, because that sounds, like, negative. Um, but it's just, I have to remember that it's a, it's a part of life and I have to give the family and the patient um, my respect and everything like that. I sometimes I take care of patients for weeks at a time and you kind of get a little bit of attached. You have Mm -hmm. jokes, you talk to them and then uh, you hear that they've passed. It's just kind of you take a minute, you think about all the good things, the bad things, and you just kind of 
you know, pass the good energy on and you give mm-hmm. them a moment and then yeah, kind of, yep, you yeah. move, you move on and you put the kindness and everything towards the next, yeah. next person. And if you're having a bad day, you think about, you know, what that person would want to hear and different things like that. Yeah. I've had, <laughs> I've had some, I've had some crazy days. I've had some, you know, can't stop crying days. I've I had bet. yelling days. Um, you never, you never know what you're going to expect with nursing in our country. Um, in our nursing in Pennsylvania, there's no set, um, ratio. So I can have four patients. I can have seven patients and every day is completely different. I can go home from work and say, damn, that was a good day. I felt great about every single thing I've done. And then other days it's just like, I just have to, it's the bare minimum of just getting through the day and I feel awful about the care that I'm giving because I literally don't have enough seconds in the day to do everything that I have to do and everything that I should be doing and I want to spend more time like I just want to watch the prices right with my little old lady for five minutes and just talk about you know the weather and I just you don't have the time Um, and it you know that that weighs on me sometimes because these patients, some if they don't have family or their visitor, like family from out of town, you know, They're just spending five seconds yeah. with them and watch, you know, soap operas, The Young and the Restless, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. things like that. It makes their day. Yeah, for sure. I bet. I um I think that would be one of the parts that I would like about the job, for sure. Yeah. So if you have a bad mental health day, like how do you, how do you compartmentalize? In nursing, you always need to separate yourself from your patients. You really can't, because some nurses have different religious beliefs or personal beliefs or different things like that. Um, You have to, you treat every single patient exactly the same, regardless of their backgrounds, um, regardless if, like, we take care of prisoners, we, little old ladies, you know, I've had people kick, punch, yell, scratch different things like that and regardless of what they're doing to me I still give them the same respect one of my other tattoos I have a whole arm of just my philosophy I have um do no harm so that is something I look at my arm and as a nurse to the best of my ability I do no harm Mm -hmm. um so if we get a patient that's punching kicking different things like that we still, they're still a human being, and we have to be as compassionate as possible to find the root cause of the issue. Maybe it's just, you know, an angry, angry patient, or if there's an underlying medical condition, we have to take that into consideration and not get upset mm-hmm. by it, because we don't know the root cause. Right. Um, so it's just something that you have to, it's frustrating, It kind of wears you down over time, but it's something that you have to take into consideration. Nobody wants to be in the hospital, and you have to remember, like, some of the issues that you're dealing with can be an underlying medical condition. And the thing that gets me is our mental health services, our mental health facilities or anything like that are not that great in Mm -hmm. our area. if we get a patient that needs mental health services while you're here in the hospital, it really doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, we have senior mental health at Moses Taylor, but 
you know, yeah, they only have so many beds. We have first hospital in Kingston that only has so many beds. We have, you know, Grant and Counseling Center, mm -hmm. and they're busting at the seams. Mm -hmm. So it's really the mental health in our area is just yeah. Well, I, I was admitted into CMC. Uh, that was 2014 for, um, I was threatening suicide. And I, it, it didn't, I don't want to say it didn't do anything. The only thing it did for me was to give me a wake-up call. Like, okay, now you need to figure your shit out because, like, this is getting bad. But I didn't feel, there were no, like, services. There was no, like, it was literally here, we're going to, put you in the, the hospital, you stay here for a few days, you have any kind of, like, medication that you need, take a rest, we'll have group therapy, which is fine, but, like, it just wasn't, it wasn't what was needed. And now, I mean, CMC has, I believe, um, a psychiatric mm -hmm. unit or a mental health unit, whatever they call it, so they have a unit. Um, the hospital that I work at doesn't have one. Mm -hmm. So we just have someone sit with a patient and just, that's it. They fill out a form. They don't talk with the patient. They don't do anything. They fill out a form so and make sure <laughs> and make sure that the patient is safe. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things that we're not really treating the mental health yeah. factors. Right, right, right. So it's just, that's really hard for me. And even, like, even not mental health, even, like, physical things with rehab and different things like that, our healthcare system is just like really, really hard, and it makes me like people that should go to rehab are either whether it's an alcohol or drug rehab right. or a physical rehab, they just don't. If they don't have insurance, they don't, they don't care. I know. If there's no beds, yeah. they try to send the patient home, and then maybe if they still need it in a couple weeks, they reevaluate. But even so, like, that's the crazy, oh, yeah. It's just mental, like, the mental health rehab, like, our healthcare system is stretched so low. We don't have nursing, like, pads, insurance sucks. It's just, yeah. it's one of those things that's really draining. It is draining. And especially when you're trying to make an impact in the world. Yeah, you're yeah. trying to impact the lives of these patients and make them better. And, like, your hands are tied. Like, my hands are tied. Mm -hmm. Like, I, it's above, I say it all the time, it's above my pay grade whether these patients get a bed at a rehab facility or a nursing home. Like, because some of them are unsafe, too, and it's all about insurance, whatever insurance you have. And your plan of care is based on what insurance you have. Yeah how many days you get to be in the hospital or yeah I had to go to the ER because I needed a test done and my insurance wouldn't approve the test for like two and a half weeks but if I went to the ER then it was an emergency so then they would approve it like just all these things that we need to do just to get like, you need to jump through health. hoops yeah it's insane it's sad but the last question that I have for you is, um, do you have a tattoo of the world on your back? Yes, I do. Okay, because I feel like I saw that, like, years and years and years ago, and I was just thinking about it. So what, what, do you want to share that? Um, so I was in college at the time, and my friend who I knew in high school was, uh, doing tattooing, and I had messaged her, because she was looking for different tattoo styles to kind of practice on. So it is a practice tattoo. Um, ah, it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, would, you could never tell. People mm -hmm. ask me all the time. Um, 
so I have a lot of anxiety and different things like that. Um, and I want to travel and I want to see the world and it's has two meanings. It's my want, my wanderlust. I want to travel. I want to see the world. I want to meet uh, more people. And it's also like the weight of the world on my shoulders. Um, I have traveled. Um, I went to Malaysia for three weeks, and it was my first time ever on an airplane. I paid. That was the first time on an first airplane time to Malaysia. Ever. How long does that take? So the first flight there was twelve and a half hours, wow. and then I had a layover in Tokyo. And then it was six and a half hours. Were you with your partner? No. You were by yourself? No, I was completely 100% by myself. Nah. I flew out of JFK. Girl. I, yeah, I flew out of JFK. If I'm going to do it, I... Yeah, I guess so. I flew out of JFK, and everybody... I've, I don't know if you've ever been to JFK. I have. It's insane. But I checked my bags, yeah. and within maybe four minutes of being in JFK, the guy that checked my bags made me cry. So I'm bawling oh, no. all by myself. Oh, no. I don't know how to go through security. Like, I have no <laughs> idea what it, where to go, this or that. So, like, I'm bawling. I get on the plane, and, like, takeoff and landing, super awesome. It was great. It was, like, a ride. Wonderful. But being <laughs> in an enclosed space, I was just, like, panicking oh, the entire yeah. time. Like, full-blown panic attack. Oh, I can't boy. breathe. You can't do anything. Nobody on the plane speaks English. Oh, it's just no. me. And for the first six hours, I was like in full blown panic mode until my body was like, "Girl, we can't, we can't panic we can't anymore. anymore. We got, yeah. we got nothing." So like, I kind of, <laughs> yeah, I slept on and off for the next six hours, and then I get to Tokyo. So they see me very terrified, you know, white girl, Tokyo, panicked. They had a person walk me to the gate and stand with me until I got on the airplane, and I was like, "This is so nice. That is, so I get nice. to Singapore, airport." Somebody waited for me. Really? I met, yeah, I met a 14-year-old boy who was, he had um, dropped off his friend at the airport, and he stayed with me, talked to me until my friend picked me up. So nice, so, yeah. like, wonderful. I learned all about his life. And, like, of course, you know, JFK, JFK terrible, guys, made me cry, yeah. nobody helped me. Right. yeah. Um... But I was in I was in Malaysia for about three weeks, and I have um, a tattoo to memorialize that trip. But it was I learned all about their culture and different things like that. I went to every temple, I went to the national mosque, and everything you wanted to know you could ask. Yeah. Like why do you wear this and why do you do that and this and that and it was um, they played. Um, prayers over loudspeakers throughout the entire city and you would see they had prayer rooms in the mall and like so everything cool. would clear out if you're riding a train they just pulled them out on the train it was just crazy to see how they incorporated like their religion in their mm -hmm. everyday life and nobody was like no nobody was upset like different things like that everybody was like you have questions like yeah. I'll talk your ear off about my entire life and it was um, so mind-blowing. Because if you do it here in the United States, people get, like, offended. Mm -hmm. They're just like, oh, well, you should just understand my beliefs right, and everything about right. that. Yeah, like, I always wonder that. I'm like, you know, we would solve a lot of problems if we could just ask each other, like, yo, what's up with that? Like, in a nice way. Yeah. Like, and not, like, be confrontational. I think that what, one of the mo most mind-blowing things to me, um, oh, I don't want to say the wrong term. Um, the burkas. 
Uh-huh. But seeing like Gucci ones. Oh really? Like they were just yeah. black with the Gucci pattern oh, yeah. or I would have never like, that. So I was what just, like so mind blowing. What made you decide to go to Malaysia? Um my uh a friend of mine, um, my ex was actually living over there. He mm-hmm. was student teaching and I was just like, Hey, whatever, like can I yeah. come over, live with you and just it show worked. me show yeah. me what you've been doing for the last so he is that was over affordable? there for about two years. So I found a round trip ticket for eight hundred dollars. Oh um, awesome. I don't know if I just got crazy lucky yeah. or my friend was paying like thirteen hundred for round trips because oh, he wow. was coming home to visit. Yeah. So about eight hundred dollars. Um, it's one fourth. So a dollar here is like a quarter over there. So. Oh, my- is there anything else you want to add before you wrap it up? Um, I would just like to say that this got me out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not something that I would normally do. Mm-hmm. And I would like to, anybody who's listening to this, do one thing today that you wouldn't normally do. Text that friend you haven't talked to in a while. Ask them for coffee. Just do something for somebody else. Absolutely. That's awesome. <laughs> and I want to say to you that you, my friend, a really good person. <laughs> if there is one thing that I learned throughout this whole thing is that you're a really good person. I'm glad that I know you and I appreciate you sharing. I think that this is going to help people. And um, this is way, this is, wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I know, it's so <laughs> nerve wracking at first, but as soon as you get started, it's good. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. It was great to get to know you. This week's recommendation is Coco. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. Coco is a Pixar movie. It's about a little boy who loves music and he's learning about his ancestors. It's about Day of the Dead. And the reason I recommend it is because, like everybody else, I'm no stranger to death. Uh, life it's it's basically a coin there's life there's death and I think that movie presents a really great way to look at memorializing and remembering people who died instead of shoving away those painful memories um not only that but the art is I'm just going to say it. It's fucking beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful music. Or movie. I'm sorry. The music as well. Um, but the uh, the animation is just out of this world. So, check that out. Thank you for listening. I really do hope you enjoyed the show. The music that you hear at the beginning and the end of the episode is by Joe Burke. I recommend his album as well, Mystics Immediately. Um, Great, great album. And other than that, if you are interested in making a one-time donation to the show for equipment costs, um, for the amount of time it takes to produce the shows, and for traveling so I can uh, widen the range of voices I can have on the show um you can reach out to me either on my facebook page which is how we get by or you can send me an email at howwegetby.podcast at gmail.com 
All Aside from money, the other thing that you can do to help me out is to be on the show. So if you feel like you would like to give a voice to mental health and speak a little bit about how you get by, I'm definitely interested in hearing. All right, I think that is all. I hope you have a beautiful week.